uh, I am. I just. I. I have. Inc- I have enjoyed our, our series on uh, Nehemiah. Uh, have you enjoyed that? Well, today is our, our, our final message in Nehemiah, and we're, we're going to move into, uh, in the fall, we're going to move into the book of John. Uh, and so today, we're asking the question, what if? What if? And I just, I've got to be real, real honest with you. Um, I, I wrote a sermon. Um, I do. I write sermons every week. Uh, and as I was in prayer this morning, I just kind of felt a, a little shift in the focus. And so um, I told, I texted John Franklin, who's up running slides, I said, I'm not really sure how many of the slides I'm going to use this week. Uh, and so I just felt um, a little shift as I was praying. And, you know, I don't know if you've had those moments when you're, when you're prayer and you just go, okay, what, what's that about, God? Have you, have you ever prayed like you're just, you're in the middle of prayer. Maybe, maybe you've had the opportunities to have an actual vision uh, from God. Maybe you've had the opportunity where you just hear, I've never heard God's audible voice, but I've had real clear, distinct impressions. Like, but I've, I've had very strong impressions in my spirit. And there's certain words that God has spoke to me in my life, and I'm not sure really um, what they mean sometimes. Have you ever had that? You just like, because we're, and I hope if, if, this, if you're a guest, you're kind of, you might be going, okay, this is, what is he talking about? Listen, uh, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. What does that mean? It means that we believe that God still speaks to us through his spirit. We believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit that we will receive visions and dreams and that the Holy Spirit is alive and active in our lives today. And so what that means is that we have the opportunity for divine revelation We have the opportunity for God to speak directly. That's one of the biggest differences in a Pentecostal church versus a Catholic church. We don't have to go to God through somebody else. We have access to the very throne room of God through his spirit. Amen? Well, so this morning, as I was thinking, as I was praying, as I was was here at pre-service prayer, I saw something in the midst of of prayer. And it wasn't like I I saw a a grand vision or grand picture. It was just I was sitting right here, and I'm praying, and I I look forward, and I just saw a brilliant light. And for a moment, it was a little confusing to me. I have no idea what it meant. But what I know in my spirit is that God was giving me a little shift. And so this morning, the question of what if still applies to the topic still applies for the morning, but uh, where we're going to end up is a little different. And so if you want to open your Bible, we are still going to start in Nehemiah chapter 10. Nehemiah chapter 10. Um, but we're not going to go through, it's, it's, it's 10, 11, 12, and 13 is really kind of where we're getting to, but today we're going to really focus on uh, chapter 10, and then we're going to shift out of there a little bit. Um, and so let me, let me just give you a kind of a, a summary of where we're at. You know, we, we came out of chapter 9 uh, where they were, they, the word of the Lord had been read to them and uh, they had been uh, worshiping and praising God, committing and consecrating themselves and dedicating themselves. And that's where we pick up. Actually, the end of chapter 9 in your Bible, in my Bible too, verse, chapter 9, verse 38, uh, in the original uh, Hebrew, it was actually, that was actually 10-1. So 938 in the English Bible was actually 10.1. And so here's what it says. It says, in view of all this, we are making a binding agreement, putting it in writing, and our leaders, our Levites, and our priests are affixing their seals to it. 
So then they, they go through and they list those who were sealed and they list Nehemiah and all of the individuals that were sealed to it. And then they, the leaders of the people, they go through and then they, 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 they share the agreement. Now imagine this. They have written a public declaration of what it means to be committed to God. They've written a public declaration of what it means to be committed to God. And then in front of God and all the people, all their leaders stand there and fix their seal to it. We don't really do that nowadays, do we? We actually, what, what do we do? We, we do a lot of, it's our, my faith is private, right? Outside of the church, we don't, people, people aren't necessarily always comfortable about talking publicly. And we don't really talk in the conversation of taking an oath or making a covenant, or making a commitment, or a promise. You know, we, we see in the church today that the divorce rate in the church is as high as it is outside the church. Commitment, covenant, promise. Imagine if we as a church said, okay, we want you to come and be a part of our church. Here's the oath you have to sign. That's <laughs> a ticket chuckle. Because people go, well, we, we don't really do that. Now, we do do oaths and and pledges, don't we? As a people, don't we? We don't just think about it in church. We do a pledge of allegiance. How many of you know the pledge of allegiance? Yeah, yeah, we all know the pledge of allegiance, right? Now, we have it. We're not going to do it right now. Uh, but we understand that when, the, the, when we say, I pledge allegiance to the flag, what, what do you, we stand up, we, we cross, right? right? We, we make people that want to become citizens of our country, what do they have to do? They have to take an oath. Actually, John, throw that one up. That's like the fifth slide. We're not going to do the Pledge of Allegiance, but that's the Pledge of Allegiance. The, the next one, uh, the next slide, this is the, this is the oath. Now, you can't, probably can't read that from your seat, uh, but it's, I hereby declare on oath. This is what people that become citizens of our country have to do. I declare on oath that I absolutely entirely renounce and abjure all allegiance and fidelity to any foreign prince, potent, state, or sovereign of whom or of which I have therefore to been a subject to or citizen. Well, what do we make them do? We make them renounce any allegiance to foreign countries. We make them renounce. And so... It was it's an interesting thing because we in church world, we, in, we, in, we don't really think in terms of oath and covenant and commitment. But here at the end of Nehemiah, what do we see? We see a group of people that have completed an enormous task for God. Then they repented, didn't they? Remember that was the one we talked about the last two weeks. They repented. They came before God. They realized how separated they were from God. And so they come before God and say, because of all of this, we realize because of the word of Moses, how far from God we are, we make this commitment. And they did it publicly in front of everybody. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Imagine if we stood in the town square in Lakewood as Christians. Many of us would feel silly. What are we doing? But here's what they committed to. Uh, it, it, it's, 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 here, it, they took an oath to follow the law. In verse 30 in chapter 10, it says, We promise not to give our daughters in marriage to the peoples around us or to take their daughters for our sons. Now, I want you to understand this. Here's... They're not being racist here when they say this, because in the uh, near, ancient Near East world, nationality was also associated with religion. 
And so when they say, We're, we won't marry their daughters, they won't marry our sons, what they're saying is, we will keep our religion pure. We will not, uh, we will not water down the people of God by inviting in those that are not people of God. Now, here's the glorious thing about uh, the Christian faith is that it's open to anybody, isn't it? Right? It's open. Anybody can become a Christian. Anyone can join the family of God. There were different regulations and rules at this point, but here's what they're saying. They were saying, we, we are consecrating ourselves. We are consecrating ourselves to God. And when, it's, when we talk about being consecrated to God, do you know what it means? It means we are being set apart. We're being set apart for God. Now, it's interesting in the world today, a lot of us, we, we call ourselves Christians, but we want to see how close we can get. I'm a Christian. I'm here on Sunday. God bless you. Now, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, Monday, yeah, there might be some. But see, here's what they did. They said, as publicly I declare, we will not dilute our religion or relationship with God. That was the commitment, or that was the, how they consecrated themselves to God. They said, we will give ourselves fully and keep ourselves separate. What's the word of God tell us? We're supposed to be in the world, but not of the world. That's consecrating. How have we consecrated ourselves for God? The next thing that they do is they go in this agreement. They, they say in verse uh, 32, they just start with this really important phrase, which I love. It says, we assume the responsibility for, and then they list out these responsibilities. Uh, my personal favorite is verse 35. It says, we also assume the responsibility for bringing to the house of the Lord each year the first fruits of our crops and every fruit tree. What do they do? They make a commitment. First, they consecrated themselves, said we're going to be set apart. And then they make a commitment to God that says, this is my part that I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do in order to show my consecration unto God. And they commit, they commit to do all of these things. And, you know, here's the, here's the thing. The covenant is how they are set apart. The commitment is this is what I'm going to do. And then the last thing in this, this, this chapter is they, they go through, and in the last verse, uh, verse 29, I believe it is, th- I'm sorry, 39, it says, we will not neglect the house of our God. You know what they did there? Is they made a covenant. They made a covenant. They made a promise. That's what a covenant is. It's a promise It's a promise to God that says, we will not forsake your house. We consecrate ourselves and separate ourselves from the world. We commit to supporting each other. We commit to doing our part. And then we create a covenant with you that says, we will not forsake our Father's house. Powerful. Powerful verses. Powerful example. Now, imagine if we had done something like that here, where we said, okay, now I need all of you. Now, most of you probably don't carry a seal anymore. Uh, some of you might have the wax. But when they say seal, it was literally, it was a, it was a like, think of the wax letter seals. They, they might have been a ring. It might have been just a little token where they would press it into clay. And it was, it was a symbol of their commitment. That was a beautiful thing. But see, here's, here's, the, here's, the, here's the powerful thing. In the New Testament, things shift. 
things shift. Because this is what people had to do in order to keep themselves pure, in order to keep themselves committed, in order to keep themselves connected to God. They had to make a covenant with God. They had to make this. And the requirements on them were very different. They had to bring sacrifices to God, didn't they? They had to atone for sins in different ways than we do now. They had to do these things. And here was what happened in the New Testament. God sent his son who atoned for all of our sins, all of our past sins, all of our future sins. Our sins are atoned for. Now, does that mean we can do whatever we want? No, it means we still have to live consecrated lives unto God. But it gives us some openings and opportunities. And this is what God uh, was speaking to me this morning. This is what God was speaking to me this morning. In John chapter 6, verse 27, uh, here's what... Here's what uh, God tells us. It says, do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So now the people in Nehemiah, what they do? They, mark, they put their seal on their covenant with God, and now God has put his seal on us as we are committed and dedicated. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. As a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? What is to come? So the seal of ownership that God places on us, um, it's not just a seal of ownership. It's a seal of a promise. It's a seal of a commitment. Then Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, it says, And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Here's the, the, the word I feel like God was, was sharing this morning um, and that he wants us to, to know. He wants us to know that we have a future promise. We have a future glory. We have prophetic words that God has spoken over us. When, when the word of God says he has sealed you as a guarantee of things to come, this is what spoke to me. I want you to know that God has given promises for you. He's given promises for us as a church. We actually have a, a folder on the, our, our, our public drive of, of different words that people have spoken over our church. I, I, I see the walls here where people have written their hopes and dreams uh, for Calvary as a church. These are, in my mind, uh, declarations of what God can and will do in our church. And the word of God is so very clear. When we are sealed by God, 
It's a promise. It's a commitment. And I have no question in my mind or heart this morning that there are many that are struggling because they feel as though the promises have been forgotten. They've been forgotten by God. They feel as though they have been forgotten by others. And you've started to lose hope. You know, before I came here, I think I shared this a little bit. I think I shared this in January. Um, might have been after that. I'm not sure. Um, there was a, a gentleman in my church down in Virginia that uh, he had shown repeatedly uh, just a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And he had uh, shared several times different uh, words of uh, prophetic utterances and such for the church. And uh, we, were at a, we were at a prayer uh, in the, our, our prayer chapel down there in, uh, at Bethel. And um, this gentleman came and spoke to me. And he said, I just feel like, he goes, I don't know what, what this means for you, what it means for me. He goes, but I just feel like God is, uh, is adding a new level of leadership to your authority. He's expanding your house. Uh, he's building. And, and so he and talked about the training that God has uh, given me. Because um, as you know, you know, I finished my doctoral degree in May. Uh, I finished a master's four years before that. Uh, and when I started the master's, here is people would ask me, why, why, are, you go, why are you getting your master's? Because at the time I started my master's, I was a children's pastor. And not a whole lot of children's pastors out there with master's degrees. Um, and I didn't, get a, I didn't get a master's that was in children's ministry. I didn't get it in family ministry. I got it in uh, church growth. Uh, church coaching and consulting is really the focus. Uh, it's, and so uh, people ask, why are you going to get your master's? And here's the only answer I could give them. I have no idea. Um, all I know is that God told me to go get it. I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew is that God had called me to do it. And so I did. That's a pretty big step of faith, right? Um, That's a pretty big step of faith for my wife to uh, be okay with me going to get my master's. Uh, But it's one of those things of I had no idea. Because if any of you understood, or, or my aunt and uncle are here this morning, and they, they get the irony of it because they, they went through the, my parents' laments of me whether or not I was going to pass high school because I did not like going to school. I, I'm not a big school person, right? Ironic that we have one and I'm in charge. Um, I didn't do great in high school. Why? Because I wanted to be at church. That's where I was at all the time. Um, but, you know, and so the irony of me going to get a master's degree and then on to get a doctorate, I actually want to go back to my high school and see if I can knock any of my teachers down with the degree. Just look. Um, and so, but it was a big step of faith. I had no idea. And then after I, I'm almost done with the doctorate, then this, this gentleman shares this word that God has been preparing you for this. He didn't know I was looking for a new job. He didn't know that I was interviewing uh, with the church. And he gave that word to us, I think it was the week before uh, I came up here to interview, or he voted on. Um, It was really one of those God moments when he was speaking to me prophetically. And here's, here's, here's the word I want you to know is that what what we read about being sealed by God is this. God has sealed you for a purpose. And you might not have seen that purpose yet. And I believe that the, the expansion that David was sharing with me in Virginia before coming here, it wasn't just being voted in as the senior pastor of Calvary Lighthouse. I believe there's more to it 
than that. That wasn't just for the moment. I believe the preparation that God has had me in is for the future, not just this moment. And I believe it's the same thing for your life. The words that have been spoken over your life, and maybe it's a word that God's only spoke to you in prayer, that you haven't had anybody else share to you, but as you've prayed, you've heard God birth something in your heart. And you haven't shared it with anyone else because you're afraid they might laugh at you, they won't believe you, you might sound silly, or you're afraid it might not actually happen. I want you to know the Holy Spirit that God has given you is a seal and a promise of the things that can come. And so this morning as I was as I was praying, you know, we have the walls, and I don't know if anybody's following me on the camera. If you're watching on live stream, I'm sorry. I'm over here off to the screen probably. Uh, this morning as I was praying, here's what I, I wrote on the wall. I still write things on the wall. It says, prophetic imagination, dream dreams, see visions. And that's Acts 2. We understand, right? Acts chapter 2, uh, what, what the promise that was given in Acts 2 coming out of the book of Joel. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Uh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the blood to moon, or the moon to blood and before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here's what I believe this morning and this is why it's so very important to me. Here's what I believe this morning is that God has called us to be more than we are today. He has called us to be people powered by his Holy Spirit, driven by a passion and a heart for the lost and he has called you to great things. And as we see at the end of the book of Nehemiah, as they create a covenant and commit and consecrate themselves to God, if we are willing to dedicate and commit ourselves in that same fashion to set ourselves apart for the vision that God has called us for, what if we did that? Is anything impossible for God? What if we consecrated ourselves? Quit skirting it, trying to get as close as we can. What if we commit to do our part to serve God with all that we have? To not forsake the house of God. What if we believed those prophetic declarations? What if we believed them? What if we lived them? What if we gave God the space that he needs? What if? There was no guarantee for Nehemiah. He walked in to a city that had been burned and tore down and that had repeatedly had efforts waged against it to try and stop the walls from being rebuilt. What Nehemiah had was a vision from God and faith that God would bring that vision to fulfillment. And he walked in there and walked with the authority of God, but there was no guarantee 
that God was going to do it. He believed it. God's been faithful. But Nehemiah didn't know what was going to happen when he got out there. He believed he knew what would happen. And this is why it's so important for us to focus on the prophetic dreams and visions and promises that God has given us. This is why it's so important for us. And this is, this is really, it's, it's, a, it's a powerful reminder. So again, in Matthew 6, verse 19, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. This is the important part. This is one of the most important parts of the verse here. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we focus our energy and efforts and minds and hearts and spirit on what God has promised to us or declared over us, that's going to become the defining factor for our lives. But if we focus on the defeat, if we focus on the places where it's fallen short, if we focus on the things where people don't believe that God is working, that will become the defining factor of our life. Here's a good axiom for you. Where your attention goes, your energy flows. If we focus on the negative, that's where we're going to work. But if we focus on the promises of God, if we focus on the declarations of God, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We are promised victory. We are promised. It might not look like what we think it's going to look like, but here's what we know is that God goes before us and we will be okay because God goes before us. And this morning in prayer, I think the reason that God wanted us to, to focus on this today is because he wants to get us focused believing in the future that he has promised to us. Believe in the future he has promised to us. The whole entire point of this series, the message forward, is to focus on what is possible when we allow God to lead us, guide us, direct us, empower us. And when we give his Holy Spirit power and presence, we have opportunity to see amazing things happen. But we have to live as people focused on the promises of God, not people focused on the defeats, on the shortfalls. But let's believe God in your personal life that he has declared victory for you. I don't know what the situation is that you're facing. I don't know the challenge. I don't know the dreams that you feel may have been forgotten but I do know the God that gave them to you. I do know the promises that he has made. I don't know how long you've been here at Calvary. I don't know how much you've experienced and ups and downs, friends coming and going, but I do know the God that has built this church. And I do know that he has called us all, not just Heather and I, he has called all of us here for this time. He wants us here because he will build this church. Amen? God will do great things as we as individuals allow him 
to speak through us as we allow him to lead us, guide us, direct us. I have such anticipation of what God is going to do in our church. I believe for great things. I believe for great things. I believe for great things for the church. I believe for great things for you. I believe in great things for us. I believe in great things for my son. I believe in great things for Calvary and for Lakewood and for Tom's River and for Brick, for Ocean and Monmouth County. I believe that God is preparing us and has been preparing us. The question is, are we willing to consecrate ourselves and make the commitments like Israel did and keep the covenant to follow him completely? Because Israel made that covenant. But how many times do we read in the Old Testament where, again, Israel did evil on the side of the Lord, right? So we can make commitments, covenants, and promises, but if we don't keep them, and this is the commitment that we have to make, is that we are going to be in a covenant relationship with one another. Because Christianity is not an individual sport. It is a team activity. We are to do it together. And that's why I believe in our small group ministry. That's why I believe in getting involved in ministry. Because that's where your relationships in a church come from. That If the only time you come to church on a Sunday morning, you're missing a whole lot. We've got some wonderful people here. We've got some great people, and I cannot be the only one that ministers to you. We have people that work their altars. We have people that work in small groups that serve in children's ministry that you might not ever see. But when you get serving and involved in a ministry, when you get into a small group, when you get into a relationship with people, your life will be changed because you become anchored in a covenant bond with other people that are like-minded, like-hearted, that want the same thing for us. We all desire to see Calvary as a church reach our community, don't we? We want to see a revival spirit and heart and attitude come through this place and to transform our community. We have so much in common. There's a lot that makes us different, but there's more that makes us the same when we're united by the Holy Spirit. There's the body of Christ is huge, but when we are joined by the Spirit of God, we have the same purpose. We have, it doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to look the same. But what it means is that we are united in the promises that God has given us as a church for our community, for our lives, for our house. And when we can get that together, united in spirit, that's why I love, I love these, the walls together. Is, I love them together because we wrote them all on the same walls, didn't we? They weren't the same words, but the same heart. The same heart, the same desire, the same spirit. And so this morning, here's what I want to I close with. God has a, a prophetic dream for you. You might not have realized it yet. You might not have heard it yet. But maybe you have. And God is faithful. He has sealed you with his Holy Spirit. He has sealed you. That's what the Word of God tells us. He has sealed you as a deposit, as a guarantee of future promises. Th these walls represent that same thing to me. These are promises. These are commitments. These are beliefs of what God will and can do in our church through our people.